Good morning, Super Flex City. We are dancing in the city. Back here with Jeff Hasley. Jeff has picked, handpicked, as he said, the 11 spot, which we'll get into a little bit. He has picked... I don't know if it was your first choice, but I'm gonna. We'll, we're gonna. We're gonna make him think and try to figure this out. He has picked the best three-man band that I can think of as his division, so you guys can marinate on that for a little bit. Jeff will tell you who he picked in a minute, and uh, but yeah, so we're here just doing the same thing we've been doing with all these, talking a little bit of music, a little bit of Scott Fishbowl strategy, what it's all about, camaraderie and charity. So before we get into this, first of all, Jeff, senior writer, footballguys.com. You do Carolina fandom. If there's anything in those regards I miss, like, please let me know. But importantly as well, like you're a big part of the, the AV team, the Scott Fishbowl AVs. Yeah, no, that's right. And thanks uh, for being here, by the way, dude. Sure. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This is my 11th year doing Scott Fishbowl. I've, I've done every single one. Um, nice. And you, uh, are, you are the first person that I've talked to. That is that right? That. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, well, I've known Scott for a long, long time, obviously. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm real thankful to be able to uh, be a part of this tournament and kind of help shape it into what it is. Uh, I've had conversations in the past with Scott, you know, about, hey, uh, what do you think about expanding, <laughs> you know, uh, making this bigger and, and getting more people involved? Do you think you think more people would be interested in that? Or, or you know, I remember him talking to me about this and, and I'm thinking, yes, absolutely. The, I mean, the question, though, is do you want to, you know, under have that undertaking of being able to handle that? And, and of course, you know, Scott has that background and um just, you know, web design, just having that technical uh, expertise for him to be even be able to pull something off like that. Yeah. Uh, so that helps a lot. Um, and throw away the, the, the fantasy experience. You have to have a, a good background of knowledge and, uh, you know, design of, of how even to put something like that together, the website, all of that. So kudos yeah. to him for doing that. Um, I'm thankful to be a part of it. And uh, I'm, you know, shoot, I, I finished top, 15 overall in terms of points last year. And um, I narrowly missed out on, on uh, advancing to the, the semifinals. And it's all about getting there uh, to the playoffs and then just kind of hoping that your guys can do it and uh, you get good weeks and, and maybe you have a guy or two just go off yeah. and, and carry you. Um, there's yep. players, excuse me, players, there's, there's teammates, owners, you know, people who participated in this who had Alvin Kamara who didn't make it to that round of the playoffs to enjoy his huge, you know, right. Christmas day miracle. Right. Um, yeah. Which was and uh, a lot of people's uh, leagues and, you know, and other leagues, not just Scott Fishbowl, but that was the deciding factor right there. So, um, yeah, you were about- literally looking because I, I was there as well. You were literally looking, though, to like you were hoping that nobody had Elvin Kamara <laughs> right. in that part. And you were hoping that nobody had advanced with him um yeah. so yeah dude exactly so i mean it's all about getting to the play well it's it's like winning your division right getting that uh illustrious buy which is so popular yep. uh in terms of getting to that next step getting the buy of course that helps um getting the advancing in the playoffs and, and scoring points because it's not about beating your opponent it's about scoring points yep. you need to have the most points to advance and you you have you literally have to almost look at your schedule and think all right looking ahead now we're going to be looking at a different schedule because of the extra game um you know yeah. how am i going to 
uh, kind of position myself so that I can ha- get those points. But it, it's almost week like you're looking into the future week. and you don't know what's going to happen because we don't know which teams are going to, you know, completely. We, uh, we didn't know about James Robinson at this point right. last year. Right. We didn't we don't yeah. know about which defenses are going to just, you know, flub um, which ones to exploit. Uh and, and that kind of thing. So there's a lot of luck involved, but there's also some sort of preparation involved too. And um, you want to be able to get to the playoffs and you want to be able to score points. I yeah. mean, it's getting to the playoffs is not necessarily the hardest part um, with good in-season management and making the, the decisions that you do and, and waivers. And the draft is a big piece of that too. But um, getting to the playoffs, getting your seven wins or eight wins, whatever it takes to get there uh, is great. And once you yeah. can get there, then you have a chance. And, um, you know, usually when I start a new league, I kind of start off slow. Like um, if I'm in a new dynasty league or a new tournament or something that I'm in, the first year I'm doing it, I'm like just trying to get a handle of it all, right? You're trying to get a get a grasp on – I mean, because fantasy football is still fantasy football, but this league is might be different, you know? And, mm-hmm. and you just kind of have to understand that and learn that. And it's really difficult for, like, first-time players to do. Yeah. Um, and to, to be able to see someone do that, you know, that's hats off to them because, you know, they did a good job in terms of preparation and, and uh, management of their team. I mean, it's such a fun league to be in. It's my favorite league that I'm in every year. And uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it this year. We'll see. Yeah. With the third round reversal, I like it even more. Yeah. So you mentioned a lot there. You mentioned the points, like some first timers, like Scott put out a tweet. Uh, my timeline's off. It was either late last night or sometime today. There's like a thousand new members to the Scott Fishbowl this year or something like that. So that's a ton of first timers. And like you mentioned those points and um, you kind of kept mentioning like the top three teams there, like the seventh, the teams with like seven or eight wins. And, but those points and how important that is like early points in Scott Fishbowl, in my opinion, are very important. Like I want to throw in that fab on the guys like James Robinson and I want to yeah. stack up those points and I want to continue to get them early and, and just kind of keep pushing through because like you said, you, you have those top couple, three teams there that are kind of important. Once you get to the end of the season, you don't have like your traditional leagues where it's the top six seeds and you're kind of fighting for playoff spots. And to make that push, you're fighting for those top spots in your division, just to get out of that into the, the next advancement. And then it's all about those points every mm-hmm. week. And mm-hmm. um, so, I mean, those early, early wins, like you said, like you like to start off slow in, in Scott fishbowl. There's no reason to, if you can, kind of just take off you really want to and then keep going and then no trading yeah right no trading so it's all you it's all your draft and it's all your in-season management and and uh like if there's a lot of luck there's always luck luck is always a factor in fantasy football especially in in, in scott fishbowl there's injuries right. and, and then there's dealing with injuries and then there's there's exploiting others who had an injury you know and, and uh being able to get someone off of the waiver wire or a, a, a preemptive waiver pick, you know, that didn't quite hit yet, but you're, you feel confident that that player is going to uh, see a, a rise in production, you know, as the year goes on or as a couple of weeks go by, or maybe you see someone on waivers who's got a really good sharp schedule coming up uh, that you want to exploit. Uh, you yep. know, there's not that waivers are, are easy at all. And, and, and Scott fishbowl, because everybody has a full, full team. Mm-hmm. But now that we throw kickers in there as well, that's, that's another, um, an, an, another 
possibility, an option for what you can do. Yeah. And, and uh, I think that helps too. I think a lot of people are going to want to start the two quarterbacks, but if you can't, uh, if someone gets hurt or if your third quarterback is not playing, uh, you know, at least you have that ability to deflect in somebody else, uh, if not kicker. And uh, which kickers might be good, which your what's the good matchup there, which, you know, that kind of thing. So much strategy involved. The more strategy that's in a league or a tournament, the better I uh, appreciate it and want to be in it, because that means that I can kind of separate myself from other people. Uh, from a strategic standpoint. And I think that's more of a benefit in my favor. So um, I I like strategic leagues like this and no draft is the same. I mean, you could do a mock draft today, do a mock draft tomorrow, and they're completely different uh, in this format. So Right. Um, yeah. I mean, shoot, we could talk strategy all all, all yeah. day long. But um, so yeah. how Go are ahead. you feeling then about that week 14 bye week? And I know this is going to affect all of our leagues, our dynasty leagues, a lot future redraft leagues. But Scott Fishbowl is the first league that I've actually been in where I've had an opportunity to kind of think about it and mm-hmm. realize that, yes, we're going to have week 14. We're going to be starting playoffs in the Scott Fishbowl. So I had kind of have in, in our dynasty leagues that we've had, I, I haven't even looked at them, but I mean, those teams are kind of built and I have no idea if I'm hurting or not within those weeks, but in Scott fishbowl, like, is that something you're going to look at or not? Gonna oh yeah. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll look at that. And um, of course, if I, if you get a buy, that means that you are, um, you, you don't have to worry about that, uh, but you have to win the division or, um, or it's be second in your, in your division and points. So I forget what it is to get that by, but um, uh, yeah, I, I think what you have to do is just uh, assume that you are not going to get the buy and they're going to have to deal with that week 14. So, I mean, there's, there's teams, there's the, the, the Colts, the dolphins, the Patriots and the Eagles have a week 14 buy. So those are some players that you want to just make sure that you're aware Hey, you know, if I'm drafting this player, just know that they're going to have a week 14 buy, and I think that's important just to have the awareness of that. Um, uh, should you change the way you draft? I, I don't think so. But if it comes down to a tiebreaker between one player versus another, yeah, check out that week 14 buy uh, and, and make sure that uh, you know you're not kind of handcuffing yourself. Yeah, by, by selecting that player. So I mean, there's. There's so many things to 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 think about when the, in the draft, waivers, whatever, all of that, right? But you you have to in the back of your mind, you have to be thinking forward, and you have to be thinking of the future and what if. So yeah, um, I almost wonder, and I think this sounds like almost like a cocky and arrogant approach, but I almost wonder if um, instead what I do is I go for that bye week and I try to put all those points from the guys that have the week 14 bye weeks in my lineup early on. And I shoot for the moon and, and try to get that bye week just by having some of those studs that some people might be avoiding because of the yeah. week 14 bye. Yeah. And I, and, cause like I said, dude, there's so many teams in this, like luck is always a factor in fantasy, but in Scott fishbowl, it's, it's, I mean, obviously you need to pay attention. You need to like, listen to Jeff, like Jeff's giving you awesome advice, but you also, I mean, it's still in the end, like so much luck comes when you're playing against 1900 teams and, True. um, but really, the I only mean, thing you have to really con- concern yourself with is your division. Getting yeah. out of the division is is your first goal. 
uh, and winning your division, making the playoffs, and then you know getting to that point where now you have to score more points than other people or be in the top ten uh, of, of points to move on. Or you know, I forget exactly how it goes in the first round of the playoffs. But um, yeah, it's not ever like you're playing against anyone else. You're playing against other people's point totals, right? So yep, uh, you just have to be better than the majority in terms of um, of, of point totals when it yeah. comes to that point. Yep. Other than that, yeah, you got to win your you got to win your weeks. You got to win your divisional weeks, and you're going to win some games by uh, three points, and you're going to lose some games by like a point and a half. And you just kind of hope yeah. that the uh, that the law of averages is more in your favor because it's going to happen. Yep. Last year, um, Justin Jefferson and James Robinson were huge for my team, and oh wow, yeah, just for like you to have those, those kind of guys. bargains, and well, I Justin Jefferson. I shit you not was my first wide receiver drafted and I took him in the 10th round. And um, then wow. I, I threw a waiver in for James Robinson. I had a couple other wide receivers that hit uh, compared to their ADP. And I actually took it to seventh place. Like I, I, it was um, I'll probably never do that good again in Scott fishbowl, but, um, and I, I double tapped at, um, the 12, which I have the 12 this year. So I wanted to ask you, like you handpicked the 11. Why not just that back to back? You mean, why not go for 12? Yeah. Well, because I'm getting a better player at 11 than I would be at 12. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Right. And that could be, I, and generally, generally I'm not selecting a quarterback at the 11th pick. Um, unless perhaps maybe I'm, I'm seeing that Russell Wilson is available there. Um, and, uh, that's a possibility, but, I don't feel like I I don't, I don't feel like the the uh, the pick at quarterback at eleven is necessary because I think I can get a I don't even think the pick at two two is necessary for quarterback. In fact, in, in the drafts that I've been doing, the mocks and that I've been doing, I've been able to get um, Alvin Kamara and Jonathan Taylor as my bookend running backs in the eleventh pick and then the second pick in the second round. Um, so that, that's he's available. Those guys are available. Um, last year I had the the uh, Second pick overall, and I had uh, Patrick Mahomes, and I uh, stacked them with Tyreek Hill, and that worked out tremendously, right? Uh, That was a huge help. Um, I'm not looking at at a quarterback in in the first round in the 11th pick, unless maybe like a Kyler Murray or Dak Prescott fall to me, but I really don't think that's going to happen. I haven't seen that happen in the mocks that I've done. Um, So, yeah, I'm kind of targeting running back. And uh, and worrying about wide receiver a little bit later, uh, usually going for quarterback in the third round. And that could be Matt Ryan. That could be like a Matthew Stafford. That could be a Ryan Tannehill. That could be, uh, shoot, who else? Maybe even uh, Aaron Rodgers if he falls that far. And that's a that's a question that I'm not sure if I'm willing to uh, to go that far on Aaron Rodgers yet. Uh, it just really depends. I mean, talk yeah. about a roll of the dice there. Um, that's a possibility, but, um, from the 11th pick, yeah, I like the running back, running back start and, uh, get my quarterback in the third round and then, you know, come back around, um, you know, probably looking at, uh, let's see what pick is it? Um, like at the, maybe the beginning of the fifth round or the end of the fourth round, I'll go for a second quarterback, depending on who's there. Um, but there also could be a really good wide receiver. Like in one mock that I recently did in the fourth round, end of the fourth round, Michael Thomas and DK Metcalf were still staring me at the face. And uh, I didn't have my second quarterback yet. 
And I just I decided, you know what? I'm not going to get my second quarterback now. I'm going to take both of them, Metcalf and Thomas, and I and I did. And uh, um, I, you know, I'll I, right now. I you, I, you I, like your wide receivers, don't you? I like my wide receivers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, quarterback is important. One one good quarterback, in my opinion, is important. Two is not necessary, in my opinion. I think I could get a guy, perhaps if it can fall to me, a guy like Derek Carr, a guy like um, uh, let's see, who else? Kirk, Kirk Cousins, Cousins usually doesn't good. fall that far, but maybe even like a Sam Darnold um, or um, be able to get a Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Because people don't want to take Garoppolo because they know that they're going to have to turn around and get Trey Lance. Do, do you want to spend a pick on both those quarterbacks when you could have somebody else uh, and then just have one quarterback and not be tied to two? Um, so there's – there's uh, Ryan's fit, Ryan Fitzpatrick is also someone who tends to fall a little bit because people are concerned about Taylor Heineke. Um, you know, there's uh, there's options. In my opinion, this is just my strategy. Then this is what's worked for me is I, I don't have to have two really strong, good quarterbacks. One should be enough. And the second one um, should be someone who is capable, someone who's a starter. Uh, but it doesn't have to be someone who is just a you know a world beater in terms of fantasy production. You just mm-hmm. want someone to get that 19, 18 points a week or so, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I love really that you added. Sure that you the, have, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and just really make sure that you have your eleven starters. Yeah. If you have eleven starters by the by like the thirteenth round or or you know twelfth round or so, I think you're doing really in really good shape. Yeah. Uh, and then you can just kind of pick for uh, for upside and pick for potential with the remaining half of the draft. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you can't necessarily get that by drafting two quarterbacks really high, in my opinion. But it all, I mean, again, it all depends on how the draft unfolds because your draft might be different than my draft. It's yeah, so different exactly. between each division. It just and, is. And, just, yeah. It's the nature and, and the, and the, uh, uh, the enjoyment of the Scott Fishbowl League. Yep. And I love that you added the that's what's worked for you because with so many different fantasy minds in this and so many different drafts going on, like you said, within those divisions, nothing's going to go the same. And, and you, you have no idea. And for me last year, like I did double tap. I took um, Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson there. And then I think I got Derek Carr in the eighth round. Like I like to have mm-hmm. that quarterback security um I'm a, I'm a huge super flex guy uh but for me that was really important and then um just got kind of lucky on my wide receivers and the way a couple other things hit but um well that's good so you had a good baseline of quarterbacks there and then you had the the filler uh receivers and running backs um do well for you and that's what yeah. you want you want that magical combination yeah and it sounds like you got that exactly so how would you, you talk music? feel? Well, I want to know, like, I think it's okay for you to tell everybody your favorite Scott Fishbowl AV that you've made. And I don't think anybody should get mad because you guys are put like, dude, they're all amazing. Um, so to call out like a favorite or a top one, like, I mean, and, and just kind of the work you guys are doing, like we kind of, were going to mention that, but then we, we went far into this, but <laughs> yeah. What, yeah, no, I did one. Favorite in fact, one. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for it right now here as we speak. Um, what the I forgot the um, the name of the uh, the person who I gave it to. I'm pulling that up right now. But it was a Coldplay avatar. Oh yeah, here we go. It the uh, the Avi is uh, um, at plane underscore pats at plane underscore pats like airplane. 
at uh-huh. plain underscore pats. It's a, uh, it was a cold play Avi that I did. And, and, uh, um, he was, uh, shoot, what was he? Uh, he's associated with, oh man, what was the name of the, um, I guess it's something that's associated with the new New England Patriots, um, SB nation, I think maybe. And so he had a, a, a logo that he wanted it with that as well. So if you look up that Avi, uh, you'll see the work that I did. What was it? That was one of my favorite ones that I did. Oh yeah. I'm looking it up right now. Uh, uh there. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. So that was kind of neat. I, I like doing that one. You know, gets kind of throwing in the uh, the the, the Winkley logo support. in the background. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah, and I, I actually just um, I did a complete 180 in my career of getting into graphic design uh, in early 2020, right before COVID hit, is when I decided that I wanted to move on from my position that I that I had for a long time um, and uh, completely do a 180, go to school, get my design degree, and um, you know, I did that in, in a year's time. Wow! So, um, yeah, I'm I'm thankful for that opportunity to uh, to learn that, and uh, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to you know doing more that I can um, in in the design field. Wow, that's awesome! So, and yeah, so how what a great idea, and to only take a year. And then, I mean, because I'm watching your face and I could tell that that little like you were really happy about that change. Yeah, no, I definitely, um, you know, it was a, a welcomed decision to, uh, you know, kind of do a complete 180 career change. And uh, I love what I'm doing. I, you know, they say if you love your work, you're not really working. Right. Um, so uh, I, I really enjoy doing that. Um, I'm looking forward to I, I have a job that I'm doing currently right now uh, that has to do with the the, uh, the aspects of design and tools of design. Uh, it's not necessarily more. It's not really a creative type of field that I'm or the position that I'm at right now. But uh, I'm kind of working my way into that. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, I, I enjoy what I'm doing um, and uh, I like the opportunity to be able to kind of flex my artistic muscle a little bit with doing these uh scott fishbowl avatars so it's, yeah it's fun. I for sure it. for sure it's fun to watch too so tell them the best three-man band <laughs> the best three-man band in my opinion the best band the best band ever is uh is rush and i've always been a rush fan uh well not always shoot it, i was what a junior in high school a, a friend of mine uh who was in the uh, the jazz band who played guitar was a, a good friend of mine. And uh, he kind of turned me on to the band and, and the songs. And uh, he gave me the, uh, the Rush Chronicles album, which was the, um, uh, the, you know, the CD, the double CD. Um, and he said, listen to this. And he said, uh, you're going to love it. I'm like, all right, whatever, you know, so I did. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, I'm like, just fell in love with this music. And, um, and then I remember, I still remember this. He, um, he said, "Well, tell me what you think." Well, I, and, uh, and I'm like, well, I, "I think they're they're great. You know, that's really cool. What else can I listen to? You know, that this kind of thing." And then um, then he told me that there was only three people in the band. Yeah. I'm like, "What?" I was literally floored, and shocked that they could have such uh, tremendously good songs and uh, artistic uh, artistic ability from as a musician standpoint. And so full, it's with hard to explain. With only three. Yeah. I mean, it's like you've got. It seems like I mean, well, you've got the two guitars. You got ba- Getty on the bass, and you've got Alex on the uh, on. You know, shoot, he he does a number of different guitars, and then Neil and the drums, and that's it. And then somehow all three of them are able to do everything, and it's just it's phenomenal, and, and um, uh, just everything associated with with Rush. 
their lyrics, you know, they're, uh, um, they're Canadian. I, I grew up in Western New York, not far from Canada. I, I had a good um, appreciation for them. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I just, everything about them. I enjoy, I, I've seen them in concert three times and, um, including their last album that they did in 2012, the, uh, clockwork angels tour, which was in my opinion, my favorite tour that I've seen. And it was their last, uh, their last album that they did. Um, well, they did a, a tribute album after that, a kind of a greatest hits. Um, but this was their last, uh, non conglomerate piece album. It was great, wonderful, one of my favorite albums that they've done. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge Rush fan. Um, I love Rush fans. I think we all have a kind of a common bond. It's almost like a fraternity. Um, and uh, I, here's the funny thing: I don't play a lick of guitar or drums or anything like that, or keyboard, nothing. I'm just, uh, I'm just a fan. I just really appreciate ah, the music. Totally, and, uh, dude. Yeah. I've always wanted to know how to play a guitar. I mean, I can't even play a chord. Right. Um, same. So. Um, uh, to me, it's just kind of living vicariously through them and just enjoying the music and uh, the lyrics, everything. And uh, when Neil Peart, Peart, excuse me, I always say Peart in my head. When Neil Peart uh, died in, in uh, what, January of 2020, um, you know, I was like, oh. I, I remember I was in Las Vegas when it happened. And I'm like, oh, no, are you serious? Oh, no. I, and uh, so that was kind of uh, sad, but, um, and then and that's I knew something that, about that, some of the powerful connections that we are able to get through music. Cause for me and the older I get, it's a little bit easier or I have more moments, but there's only so many moments that like I can stop and know that this impactful thing happened. And this is where I was like, I yeah. can put me like in the place, like the, how it hit you and where you were in that moment. And I think that's one thing about music and how powerful it can be to take you to those places and keep you there sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I was at the Luxor casino um, on a uh, retreat with the football guy staff. And uh, I saw that go come across like the screen, um, you know, in the casino at the sports book, I think maybe. And I'm like, what? Oh no, no. Cause then I also, then I totally knew that that was it. There's no more rush. Right. You know, there's no more, there's no more, um, uh, yeah. there's no more concerts. There's no more anything. And I kind of knew that that was going to happen, but it, it wasn't final until then. So yeah, kind of a bummer, you but you know, you uh, took me back to another place too, when you mentioned the double disc that <laughs> they had released and um those double discs when, I mean, people may not know, but I mean, they were, they were fat cases. It was not like today. If you bought a CD, it's, they've got it all nice impacted yeah, into right. a nice little case. Um, but when <laughs> we would buy double discs back then, they were in those like two sided cases. You almost got like two covers. And um, yeah. I mean, you, you had to, you might've had to buy a new case logic stand to put your, your double discs in at first because <laughs> they didn't have them in all of them. Right. And uh, just kind of even when CDs first started to come out and they were in those big cardboard boxes. Do you remember yeah. all yeah, of that? Yeah, yeah. It was like it was like this. Uh, wait, I'm in the yeah. camera like that. that was yeah. Like this long. <laughs> yeah. That was, Absolutely. Uh, that was the that was the so, time. Man. That was the era. Was the first music you purchased on a CD or would it have been a cassette tape? Uh, it was a cassette tape. And actually it was an album. Um the first the nice. first the first music album I ever bought was um men at work remember okay, men at nice. work yeah and it wasn't there long weird. after that i got the uh, michael jackson thriller album and, love uh, it. those are the two that i can remember that i bought as albums 
And then everything after that was like a tape. You know, you got like, uh, wow. Uh, shoot, I had a lot of DJ Jazzy Jeff stuff and the Fresh Prince. Um, yeah. And uh, parents, parents don't understand. Don't understand. You know, yeah. That was, uh, I, that was purchased through tape. Uh, I remember used to <laughs> going to. The Nightmare uh, on Elm Street song. Do you remember that song? Record, was it Record Town or ca- uh, Tape World or Cabbages? Whatever it was called, you know, in the mall where they, you know, they just sold. And you could look at the album covers and everything there. And they had the the, the tapes. And yeah. Uh, and then singles came out. You know, shoot, yes. we're, going, we're going on memory lane here. But, Dude, singles um, were awesome, though. Like they were in those yeah. like little crummy cardboard cases, yeah. like the sleeves. And you'd push them in <laughs> and out. And they'd always right. have like a B side with an extra song that kind of sucked. It was like almost like a free prize that you're like, yeah, you know, like, right. I remember. Yeah. I remember getting a lot of like Skid Row and Guns Ro- Guns and Roses yep. singles. Uh, and use Your Illusion things. 1 and 2. That was that was big back then. Yeah. Uh, you, you, when U2 came out with Joshua Tree, that was also fairly big. Yeah. Back then, late 80s. Um, uh, good stuff, man. Bruce Springsteen also. Um, Genesis. I like that. Uh, Genesis a lot back it, then, too. Um, yeah. Just good stuff, man. Really good stuff. Yeah. And like MTV back in the day and like Headbangers Mm -hmm. Ball. Like I've talked about Headbangers Ball on a few of these, but like how like in those moments, like you, you kind of, you you could be alone, but you still sort of knew you were watching Headbangers Ball with your friend on the other side of town because everybody was tuning in in some way or shape or form to some of the same stuff because you couldn't just, you didn't have like just YouTube videos and nonstop like, it, it'd probably be easier for us to find old headbangers balls to watch today than it would have been for us then. You know what I mean? So yeah, but just some of those moments and uh, like, uh, what was his name, dude? It's, it's really driving me crazy. Uh, Musician, a group, a band. Um, the, I want my MTV. Oh, oh uh, d- d- dire straits. Yeah. Thank you. Dire straits. Yeah. Yeah. Money for nothing. Yeah. And like yeah. just some of that stuff back in the day, dude. Um, I don't know. Some of those memories are, are, I don't know, pretty incredible. Yeah, it was back in the day. I remember going to the mall, riding my bike to the mall with my friend. Um, we would go to the the record store. Uh, we'd go to the arcade. We'd play our tech mobile. You know, whatever was there. Um, probably go to yes. uh, McDonald's to get something to eat, and then then we'd ride our bikes over to like the card shop because I was a big yeah. baseball card collector back then. Back when baseball card collecting was sort of fun and not like you know um, turned into a, 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 a marketing frenzy. Um, yeah. But uh, and I would do that on my bike, and then I'd ride home, and that was the day. Uh, it, that crap. That was a summer day. In your mouth. That was that was a summer day. Yeah. And so um, going to the arcade, going to the record store, going to the card shop, going to McDonald's or something. Yeah. That was that was the time, man. And then uh, um, shoot, what was it? Uh, what year was it when the Olympics? When the <laughs> do you remember what? Yeah, was it 1984 when the the U.S. Olympics? Uh, and Russia boycotted the Summer Olympics that were in Los Angeles. Was it 84? I think it might have been. 84? Um, anyway, um, McDonald's had point. like this huge um, uh, promotion where they, you know, they're giving away like the Olympic stuff. Um, and like if you it, like a scratch off thing around like a, a thing of fries or a Big Mac or a cup, you know, you peel off the thing. It kind of like Monopoly when they had that. McDonald's. Yeah. You peel it off, and, and it would be an event. And if the, and if that event, if USA got a gold, then you'd win like a hash brown or a Big Mac or a soda or whatever, I think right? I remember that. So yeah. This was this was um, 
Uh, it must have been 84 because that's when I think when Russia boycotted the Olympics and U.S. won like everything that year. Right. Because they were completely monopolizing the sports uh, sporting events and such. And McDonald's must have lost a fortune <laughs> in terms of uh, stuff that they get, had to give away because the U.S. is winning so many gold medals. Oh, and yeah. Medals and stuff. So um, we literally would go to McDonald's. Uh, during that, it must have been that summer. Um, go to McDonald's, get it, get something. Win because we know that the the uh, the the, uh, the U.S. won a medal in that event or whatever, and then um, turn it in and and get something else. And it, it was like several times we would go, not have to pay anything. It was amazing. But that's awesome. I remember <laughs> uh, the. So, I mean, eighty four. Like, so the Detroit Tigers won the World Series. Yep. And yeah, I remember yeah. like Merle, um, and I still have this dude. I wish I had it close by to show you. I have a Detroit Tigers hat with a McDonald's logo inside of it because I got that in like some kind of like promotional Happy Meal or something. Oh wow! Like, could you imagine like getting that today? So it's this old, just like tore up, like kind of kids Tigers hat, but it's got a McDonald's logo inside of it. Does it say anything like World Series champs or anything like that? No. Yeah, okay. it's just got the snapback and um, my name's written inside of the green bill, like really big. And I wonder um, if that has any value. Yeah, I don't know, man, because it is beat up. I'll find it and I'll, I'll take a picture of it and show you and I'll, I'll send it to Twitterverse. But, um, dude, it, I mean, it's beat up and raggedy. You remember remember uh, when Burger King did the Star Wars glasses? Yeah, yep. I had those. We we collected those, um, and uh, you know I had like the whole set until like one of them broke because that they weren't very good in the dishwasher or whatever reason. But um, man, I uh, I came across someone who had one of those. Uh, this was maybe about a year or two ago, and I'm like, "What? You have this? Where did you get this?" You don't I think you have yours. Forever. And it was like the it's like the Empire Strikes Back one where uh, you know Luke is standing up, on, he's doing a handstand, and Yoda's on his foot. It was that glass. Huh. Um, and I'm like, and you yeah, don't think you have yours anything. anymore? What's that? You don't think you have yours anymore? Oh, I know. I know I don't have mine anymore. No, but um, uh, it was a, a friend of mine who I haven't seen in a while, um, but it, he had one. And I'm like, no way. You know, this is like, this is like old vintage. This might be a, a collectible. This might be worth something here. Yeah. Especially um, Star like, Wars. Well, it's just a glass. I'm like, what do you mean it's just a glass? It's a glass from like 1982 or whatever, you know, when Empire Strikes Back came out. And yeah. uh, and Burger King was giving them away for like three bucks or something in addition to your meal. Um, yep. Yeah. To be able to have that, that's that's pretty cool. So yeah. I like that kind of stuff. Those vintage things. So was Rush your first concert? No. My first concert was Van Halen, 5150. Wow. So, yeah. That's I saw, huge, too. <laughs> I saw that. That was, what, like 1980-something, 85, 86, something like that. Um, mm, I don't but yeah, know. Van Halen was it was great. It was I awesome to see young. Eddie Van Halen do his stuff. Um, such a great show. And uh, now, I assume you like Van Halen, right? Yeah. So, are you David Lee Roth Van Halen, or are you Sammy Hagar Van Halen? Yeah. What's, your, what's, your, uh, what's your side there? Man, that's so tough because uh, so I'm a little younger than you. I can tell just from our conversations, like because so, I would have been in 84. Those conversations, I was like seven. So once we get to your Van Halen concerts, I'm still like eight or nine. I'm a huge thorn in your side if you're taking me to those concerts. Okay. Um, but then so the first cassette tape Van Halen I remember personally owning was OU812. Oh, yeah. And yep. um, that's Sammy, right? 
Uh, yeah, that was their first one. So I feel like that was was kind of my album with Sammy, wasn't it? Yeah, so that was kind of my biggest, most impactful introduction to Van Halen. So I think I'm kind of Sammy. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I kind of, I, I feel that way too. Um, I I like the uh, the OU812. I like the Foreign Lawful Carnal Knowledge. Um, I think those are probably my two favorite Van Halen albums. Um. Yeah, just a big fan of uh, of of Van Halen, both uh, both Sammy and David Lee Roth. But uh, yeah, I think I'm I think I'm with you. I think I, I kind of lean more towards the Sammy side rather than. And they're both really really. Good. I was kind of nervous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's not very often that you see a band like that go from one lead singer to another and have success both ways. So yeah, um, kudos to Van Halen for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, dude, this has been a lot of fun. It's probably had more football talk than any of them, but I think we kind of redeemed ourselves with the last half of the show. They're talking about some charity and music. Um, anything you want to add or anything you're doing before we get out of here? Mm, no, I've got three podcasts today that I'm doing. So this is the first one. And, uh, you know, I'm just thankful for uh, being able to come on here and talk Scott Fish Bowl, talk football, whatever it might be. In this case, uh, shoot, we talked about life. We talked about the '80s. We talked about music. Yeah. We talked about um, you know what it was like back then, um, MTV and all of that stuff. So it's fun, in my opinion. Uh, that's uh, that's something that like today's generation, you know, won't really ever experience. And and you know, when I think when I look back, you know, when I was a kid, I would look back at people in like the '60s, the '50s. Oh man, that's old, right? You know, now. Yeah, yeah. People now are looking back at like the eighties and nineties saying, you know, that's, 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 that's their example of, of being old. Like what right. I used to think. Right. So it's kind of weird. And now, now they're like, you rode your bike to the mall. I know. I My arcade was called um, Aladdin's castle and we did have a tape world. Ours was tape world. Yeah. 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 Tape world right next to waterbed world. <laughs> pretty much Uh, dude so and dude yeah these have been a lot of fun and this is no different man and just kind of uh going down memory lane with people getting to know people a different way and giving the listeners an opportunity to get to know some of the people in the community in scott fishbowl a little bit differently and it's one of my favorite things about scott fishbowl is this camaraderie side and i've never really talked to you like i said before the show we were on dynasty trades hq together but i don't really feel like i've ever talked to you so for me this this was an honor and i i thank you a ton for coming on dude sure yeah thank you appreciate it uh best of luck to your podcast and, and going forward and good luck to you this this year and Scott Fishbowl, it sounds like you've got some uh, unfinished business that you want to take care of. And you know, well, don't we I'm, all. I'm the same way. I'm sure a lot of people are, you know, um, we'll see. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Um, tell them who you are and we'll get out of here. All right. Yeah. Again, thanks for, thanks for watching again. My name is Jeff Hasley. You can find my work at footballguys.com. Uh, we're doing so much stuff right now. We've got July 1st now that it's uh, uh, upon us. So our um, unfortunately, our firewall at Football Guys is going up. And uh, but if you are interested in subscribing, it's one of the best sites to do so. Uh, if you have questions about it at all, let me know. I'm happy to help uh, answer any or, or uh, talk to you more about the site. Um, you can check out my work there. I'm doing articles, rankings, um, collaborative pieces with the rest of the staff. 
uh, various different podcasts here and there. So, um, and I have my own podcast, Carolina Fandom, which is all about uh, building the Carolina fan base in terms of sports, you know, one fan at a time. And that's whether that's Panthers or, or Charlotte Hornets or Charlotte FC, which is our new MLS team, which will debut in 2022. Uh, and so we're talking about that. Um, but yeah, definitely appreciate it. Thanks for allowing me to come on and, and uh, kind of plug those things there. And uh, best of luck to you and everybody else in the Scott Fishbowl this year. Scott Fishbowl 11. Yeah. Be sure to follow Jeff too. Um, You can find, I think you have most of those AVs you were talking about pinned on your Uh, timeline right now. I've got a bunch of the early ones that I've done. I've probably done about 50 to this point. And I think maybe like 20, 30 of them are in a pin that I have on Twitter. Yeah. So you can check those out too. Mm Mm-hmm. I am at Swagzilla Zero G, and this is at Superflex City, and we are out. Yeah.